0: the world yeah I'm with the world yeah I want it all said I with the world yeah I with the world i'm coming to get it don't care what you heard don't care what you heard it is coming from brooklyn bringing that truth never gonna lie never gonna lose always on top keeping it steady he'll make you tap out and you won't be ready he got the suplex breaking your back now everyone in the world gonna listen to taz all right what's up what's up everybody hello and welcome to the taz show i appreciate you guys downloading this episode on spotify or maybe stitcher maybe uh, utilizing radio.com the app or the website or maybe you're pulling the show in via apple podcast so thank you for doing that i appreciate the love you know that so uh we're rolling right along into well we're close to 700 episodes of the taz show which i'm very proud of and i want to thank all of you guys for the support over the years and uh, pulling the show into your life means a lot to me as you guys know Uh, So this is some topics that I want to discuss in this episode This is not like a reaction show, it's not a Taz Hall or nothing like that Just some observations I should say that I noticed over the weekend and whatnot So just wanted to talk on some of those things uh, real quick over here in this episode So, you know, um, a couple things Uh, There was a a young lady, uh, she wrestles, Uh, she's only wrestled a couple years I believe and um she wrestles uh i know she wrestles for impact wrestling but she had made some comments over the weekend um on twitter and a lot of people were going back and forth with her and whatnot and it's more of uh she you know she she kind of talked about i'm paraphrasing her whole thing I, i i don't follow her i can't even tell you like the whole uh the whole twitter exchange her with other people and stuff but one of the things, and I sent the tweet out towards her her way. Jordan Grace, I believe, is the name she works under, but she uses her real name too. Um, so I'm a little confused on that. I don't need to know. It's fine. I mean, she, you know, it's fine. No big deal. It's not that I'm I'm not here to be. A, I'm not a news education educational show on wrestling. I'm just giving uh, opinions and stuff and thoughts through my experience. But so I sent a tweet her way, basically because it was something in there she mentioned about living the gimmick and. Meaning that, again, paraphrasing her thoughts, that uh, you know that, you know, the living the gimmick thing is kind of like there's no reason to do it. Someone, I think someone asked her on Twitter, on Twitter, like about uh, why do you think it is that that wrestlers, like let's just say WWE wrestlers or what have you, that newer wrestlers are starting to use their real names uh, on their Twitter accounts, meanwhile they're wrestling under a different name, so under a stage name and um i I disagree with her reasoning behind it she was more or less saying that i think wrestlers are getting past living the gimmick and it's a different era like her era and the younger age young 20s and stuff uh the future of the business they 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 don't live the gimmick and i I know she's i'm not putting words in her mouth that she's talking for everyone because she wasn't but she was just giving like an overview of the era so the thing is i disagree with her on a couple levels um I disagree. As far as the name goes, um, listen, the reason why, especially if it's WWE wrestlers or maybe wrestlers that think they're going to be in WWE soon, the reason why they are not using, um, they're using both names, their real name on their Twitter or social media account, and they're using their stage name is because they know once they go into a company and they're under contract, with a real company with TV penetration that then once they're out of that company, that, that, that stage name, that gimmick name, whatever it is, is going to stay with the company and they can't use it anymore. So what they're doing is very smart. They're utilizing their real name, um, to build this following, along with their gimmick name, I don't know if this is confusing. It's crystal clear in my brain, and it triggered me as soon as I saw her tweet the other day. Someone um, that I follow retweeted her or quoted tweeted her. I can't remember, and I saw it. Um, actually, it was a fan. No, one of the fan, one of the followers of the show of my show um, was saying something to her about um, uh, you know tell Taz that from the nineteen nineties Taz that about living the gimmick, like you know being sarcastic like because i live the gimmick and and i firmly believe in living the gimmick i firmly believe in wrestlers living the gimmick as much as they can you know you it's tough because you don't want to insult people's intelligence and i can't sit here and tell you i'm an expert on living the gimmick on social media because I'm not I When I was wrestling and I was the human suplex machine character And the, that Taz character There was no social media So I, I don't know how I would have handled it To be honest with you I, I think that I probably would have stayed off it a lot To keep a mystique about myself um, But I do know about living the gimmick When you get to an arena or you're at a rest stop Or at a hotel or at a bar near the town That the wrestling show was at and i understand how to live the gimmick trust me i did it for years and and i and and i still do it a little bit here and there it kind of sounds weird but at certain locations or spots where i get into details i do i think it's very important i think it helps keep that um that feel about you as a performer and as a wrestler that you know you you are in you're so dialed into this this is who you are it's a persona of yourself it's um it's like an alter ego of yourself so i firmly believe in it and i think that when i see a young wrestler like her tweet something like that it where it's like i'm like wow i'm thinking young lady you know we're not like actors and actresses you know you you, you get you pro wrestlers you know you're performers yes you're 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 an entertainer yes but you're an athlete yes you're a hybrid of a stuntman an athlete and 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 an actor (laughs) so but it, but you're not an actor, you're not a full-blown actor You you still have this character needs to be honed and built and grown and, and utilize your social media to do that without insulting people's intelligence I think she's being very transparent, which is fine She's letting people know who she really is And she feels like other people uh, in her generation are doing that Which they are, she's not wrong But I do think there are many in her generation that all are, are living the gimmick. There are several, you know. I mean, Velveteen Dream is a guy who really you know, stays in that lane as much as I can see. MJF, you know, he, uh, you know, I had him on that live tash show I did in Las Vegas, and he—he's a guy who re- on social media really lives the gimmick. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of different guys and girls that do, but and there are some that do what what, what she's saying that that they kind of break kayfabe completely. And there is no kayfabe. It's just like okay, uh, it's all a show. It's all a work. <clears throat> and this is who I really am But, you know, I have this stage name That when I walk through the ropes Or I walk through a curtain and my music plays Then I become this persona Look, you know what? That's fine If that if that's going to bring her success I hope she makes a billion dollars I hope it works But I, I don't think that's the right way to go about things In my professional opinion I do think that you have to find that, that fine line of you know being the character that that he or she is, along with not insulting the fans' intelligence, but yet work the fans a little bit because you know what this is like I tweeted the fans want to be worked that's part of the cool part, the fun part, the entertainment part. they want to be worked on t v online, in the building, outside the arena when you see them at a gas station and you you're going to wrestle, they want to be worked on when they follow you on Twitter or Instagram. they do they want to be worked I mean that's the cool fun part about it now i i again i'm not i've i apologize for stereotyping saying all fans that way i know that's not true there are some fans that want complete transparency and want you to acknowledge it's a work i'm a character and this is my real name i'm really john doe i'm not mr wrestling 26 the killing machine you know what i mean they they <laughs> so you know like there is a fine line there there really is and I don't know. I, I, I do think, though, for the younger generation and a lot of people that I've talked to uh, offline, you know, from my generation that have interacted a lot with this newer generation in either wrestling schools and whatnot, or maybe at wrestling shows and promotions. Because I have friends that, that work for all the companies. So, I mean, we talk a lot and either, on, you know, in a text message or a phone call or what have you. And it's a lot of the same narrative that a lot of the younger current generation it's almost as if like again this is i, I hate to say it like this I, I know it's not every young wrestler but it's almost as if, it's, as if some are trying to like reinvent the business and you know what i i get that i understand that i mean and the the older generations are, you're gonna piss them off some way somehow and i would say as an overview to hell with that do your shit don't worry about that but you're not reinventing the business. Like <laughs> as long as there's a ring and and there's a ref and it's a work and and you know it's still there's still and people are paying. They know it's a show, but they know it's physical. I mean, there's still always that. That's what wrestling is. I mean, that's what the that's what it is. That code's always going to be there. Uh, look, I know. I remember like m- when I was in my prime and you know coming up and doing stuff as a wrestler in the business, especially during e c w yo I remember man, like like clearly, like the older generation like were really pissed off at not just e c w but a lot of wrestlers of my generation, the older guys were because what we were doing was, and a lot of them would say this behind the scenes, you guys are killing the business, you guys are giving the business away, you guys are fucking killing it, you're killing it, you're killing it. You're killing it. What they meant was that we were basically uh you know we, we were basically doing too much as far as the physicality and exposing the business too much and and it was at a point where it's like what are you gonna do you guys are doing weapons you guys are doing this you know you're hitting a million suplexes guys dropping on their head you know you're doing all this not just me everybody it's like what are you gonna do next you're gonna bring a shotgun to the ring and what you got to shoot a guy like in, in his back to beat him in a match is that what's next like you know because their generation like they were less less physical less dangerous moves that guys were winning matches with and they were keeping longevity in their bodies which they were right and and I can't speak for all the guys of my generation but you know what I I knew they were right and a lot of us knew why they were pissed that we were giving the business away too much and we were doing too much physicality and we we were the generation that started to show like a lot of athleticism in the business like a lot of athleticism. And then the generation after us and after us, like even more and more athleticism. And today, these guys and girls today are insane athletes, like insane, like they're they're all like just tremendous athletes. You know, when I was coming up, not everybody was a great athlete, you know, in my prime, like my generation, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of the guys that were, but not all, not all, not all at all. I mean, you know, and the generation before mine, a lot of them were just you know big guys that were very smart in the ring that were muscular they had some athleticism but they weren't exemplifying all of their athleticism and then our generation started to do that more and we started doing more physical stuff especially with the ECW craze with the weapons and stuff and it was that was real and I wasn't a guy using a lot of weapons as you guys know the other guys in the company were but and it was just like it it wasn't just ECW there was a lot of the, the the renegade promotions that were doing violence and doing hardcore stuff and you know so it was a thing in the in the early 90s and stuff like that into the mid 90s it wasn't just ECW we were just the guys that were you know as a brand that were doing it more and doing it often and really brought it to another level but that pissed off a lot of that older generation I'm telling you they they would say I'd have matches with Guys in ECW, I'm talking about early ECW, you know, early when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling, and I had guys, you know, veterans where I respected, come up and say, "Listen, you can't fucking go in there and work that stiff with guys and do that amount of suplexes and all this kind of shit. You you can't do that because you're gonna you're gonna kill the business. You're, you're doing too much." And I would, I'd say, "I understand. I got you. I understand. I, I apologize. I'll figure it out. I'm just trying to get over and." and I wouldn't wasn't trying to be sneaky but I, I I knew I knew it was working you know what I mean so that's why I I, you know, I kept doing what I was doing um I didn't think that these veterans were trying to hold me down or hold any of us down they just didn't want to see it that you know the business was getting to a point that maybe they couldn't keep making money because then you had to do more physicality they were getting older I don't know I'm just I'm just I'm not I don't mean to stereotype people I'm just thinking out loud here maybe maybe that's what it was Point is, it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies, what my generation in its prime and the generation before us. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's not now, what this current generation and the one before them and my generation, you know, all that shit. So I I just feel like, you know, I feel like sometimes with some of the younger current talent, there's almost like a feel of, well, not with all of them, and it's unfair to say, but... Either they don't know, some of them don't know the history of the business, which I think is vital. You should know the history of the business and because that's the people who came before you. That's the groundwork. Without those people laying that groundwork, you have no place to apply your craft. So I do think that it's important to do your homework and know the history of the business and respect the history of the business. And I think it's just if you're thinking you're going to reinvent the business or change the business, because you're going to embrace the fans more on social media well you know what that might work that might work <laughs> it's sure i mean a lot of fans love engagement on social media you guys know on my twitter or instagram a lot on twitter i try to engage with you guys as much as possible and i'm not from this generation i'm i'm a lot older so but i try to stay current and i try to you know promote my stuff that i'm doing and stuff and and i and i also like to engage with a lot of the fans you know so most of the fans are really cool. Of course, you're going to get some assholes here and there, but that's that's anywhere. Um, so I understand like that the younger generation is what they're trying, they're trying to, you know, probably, you know, carve out who they are and what they're doing. You know, I would say to them, worry about your own individualism and as a star and coming up in the business. And and don't worry about changing how the business is viewed or looked at, because I gotta tell you the truth. In my opinion, I don't think the business today is looked at badly. I think you're younger, you're current, your generation right now. To the guys and girls, you guys are in a good spot. The business is in a good spot right now. I mean, you got you got AEW fixing to go on big time TV with TNT with Turner, okay. Obviously, all the WWE program and now the success of the WWE network with the tier system, another level, and the the billion dollar deal, you know, a multi year deal that Fox is doing with SmackDown and WWE, USA re upping with Raw. You know, I mean, the NXT brand just blowing up. Uh, You know, it's like uh, uh, Ring of Honor is doing good business. Looks like Impact's doing okay. You know, obviously the business in Japan is great, New Japan and all these other smaller companies. So the business is is a good thing right now. It's it's not you know it's not um, it's not a bad thing at all. You know what I mean? It's 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 not it, it, it's good. So I would embrace that right now. I mean, if I was them, um, I would not, I would not try to reinvent nothing. There's nothing wrong. You got major sports verticals, major league sports, sports outlets like Fox Sports, like CBS sports, like NBC, like ESPN, uh uh promoting and and going out and having on their websites, on their verticals, areas where you could read or watch stuff with pro wrestling, with you know, from WWE and, and beyond. This is a great time to be a young pro wrestler. You know, so why would you try to change anything right now? I mean, maybe I'm overthinking it, and and I've been guilty of that, and I could be, but you know, I'm just saying, like, I, there's, it's all good right now. If I got, I wish I was in my prime right now. I mean, there is so much, there is so much opportunity for these guys and girls to work. I mean, so it's great, and and there's there's a lot of wrestling schools all over the place. Yo, listen. I don't want to be that, I don't want to have like a get off my lawn moment You know, like when I was coming up this, You know, let me tell you something Before I got trained By Johnny Rods in, in the late 80s, when it was like Whatever, 86, 87, 1986, 87 I was trying to find a wrestling school Before I, I stumbled upon Johnny Rods Through my dad, God rest my dad's soul My dad had, had a, a Mutual friend who knew Johnny Rods In Brooklyn, you know And, and that's how that all happened but the thing was, yo, I wasn't initially. I don't know if I've ever said this <laughs> publicly. I'm sure I have. I've done so many fucking shows and I say so much shit out here that I'm sure I've said something like this. But I don't know if I've ever said this before. But like, I, the, the, where I was really going to get trained was in Orange, Connecticut. Coincidentally enough, the word Orange before I was grabbing Orange as a gimmick. And it was with Dr. D. David Schultz. He had a school in Orange, Connecticut. And um, not far, far from I ninety five up in Connecticut, um, and that's where I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna you know basically travel back and forth you know a few days a week, and save up gas money because I had no money I had a really shit car and and that's where I was gonna get trained and um, and at the time I was gonna go in as a tag team with Chris Chetty's brother Joe Chetty. And for a short time, you guys know we did the Tasmaniacs years ago for the, for the Savoldis, many years ago. But Joe was never, like, officially trained by anyone. Like, I just showed him some stuff, and he had a great amateur wrestling background. He was a great a great judoka. So he understood, you know, how to bump and stuff as a, as a judo player and stuff. And And so I would teach him different things with pro wrestling to incorporate, you know. So we were going to be a tag team. And oh, god dang it. I never I don't know if I've ever said this. I'm all excited to share this with you guys. And we were gonna be called the Siders. Yes, that's it. <laughs> two um two Italian guys from New York that are both under 5'10. We we're gonna be the Siders. But yeah, we we're gonna wear like black velvet hoods and stuff like that. And we we're gonna be the Siders and get trained by uh by Dr. D. David Schultz. But what happened was uh Joe was a really good football player too. And he had some opportunities, and and then then the, everything happened with the NFL with the scabs and stuff where the union, I'm sorry, the NFL players were on strike, and Joe had opportunities, and um and he was a really good running back in college, and then he uh where did he, go? he he played as a scab? I hate using that word, but that's what they called it back then. But he played f- a little bit for the Eagles, a little bit for the Bills, my Bills, and I think that's it. But so I he had really he wanted to push his football you know what he was doing with football he didn't want to get hung up in pro wrestling training so i was like upset I'm like oh come on dude what the fuck you know because you know i was going to split the money with the driving with him you know what i mean i you know so that was part of the reason why i couldn't go to talk to d <laughs> so then it ended up that i uh you know i was talking to my dad i'm like i right, i gotta figure this shit out here i'm like kind of like screwed here you know and then and then that's what happened with johnny Rods, but It's no disrespect towards where I got trained. I loved where I got trained, but initially it was not supposed to be Johnny Rod's. So that's a true story. Um, Why I got into this topic right here, I don't even know. Oh, I know why. Because I was talking about how there's so many, uh, I shouldn't say so many, there's a lot of good wrestling schools, not a great amount. There's a good amount in the United States I could speak on that you could get trained. So, and there are some that you got to be careful of because it's the you know it's people that haven't really been to the dance that are teaching you what it's like in the dance Well, how do you know what it's like to be in the dance if you've never been in the dance? That's how I look at it uh, You know, I want to go to people who've been to the dance and were the main dance So that's how you should look at your trainers, you know as someone that really knows what they're doing that's on the money grab but back in the day there wasn't as many schools There was there was, You know, Dr. D. David Schultz in Connecticut Johnny Rods in Brooklyn, Larry Sharp In New Jersey with the Monster Factory There was the Hearts uh, You know, uh, up in uh, Stu Hart up in Canada, up in Calgary um, Down in Texas Von Erichs would, uh, They were doing stuff, Fritz and stuff uh, Obviously in Minneapolis With uh, with Ganya, You know, with, with Vern Gania So, you know, and Um so there was there were spots here and there, but like that that was it. Down in Florida, there was a couple of good schools, but you know I'm sure there were other schools. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean I'm not I'm I didn't study all the schools except for the northeast stuff because I just couldn't afford to go out west or go down south. I just didn't have the money. So I'm just saying now it's a little bit different. You know you could find a lot of good schools. So it's in in long form. What I'm saying is it's a good time to be a wrestler. You know so because the business is hot, the business is making money. Um who knows what's gonna go on with this WWE AEW stuff. It you know, if if it if AEW does okay and they there's a little I don't wanna say a robbery, but there's some kind of a competition going on, that's only better for the young wrestlers. Why try to reinvent something that's going really well? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's all I'm saying. Um but you know what? To each his own and shit. When I was twenty one, twenty two, they ain't wasn't fucking anybody telling me what to do. <laughs> I kind of lived the way I want. I had respect, but I, I kind of lived the way I wanted to live, meaning that, you know, my mindset, how I, I what I should say is how I lived. Ah, speaking of mindset, yes, it's, it's that time. Oh, uh, yes. Water break time, kids. Here we go. Ah, Do a little straw action. I got one of these fancy Dan bottles that the uh, the guys who get on the bicycles, the men and women, that get on those fancy bikes that are like $6,000 and they fucking drive the bike cross country like for the weekend for fun and they got those cool like hydro flask bottles like I got one of those, you know what I mean, so just in case because I need to be prepared for hydration on this show, alright Taz Show, we'll be right back, I got more to say here. Um, about a couple things, and uh, it's going to be epic. Uh, I'm going to get into a little bit about Vince McMahon producing, announcer, that style, that whole, and some misconceptions. Renee Young, going to talk about Renee Young. Uh, taz- All right, we're back here in the Tad Show. All right, we're uh, rock and rolling here, just hitting you up with some topics that I want to talk about here. We're going to do another... Drop another podcast later in the week, do a little Taz haul later in the week. So keep your eyes on the Instagram at TazTalk, T A Z T L K, and we'll come at you. We'll do a little uh, little gimmick on there. And by the way, I told you, a little birdie was letting me know that as far as SummerSlam goes, you know, from Toronto, there might be a little bit of a, um, I don't know, one of those little shows after that big show that's on like national radio streaming worldwide type thing you didn't hear that for me fucking subtle right there so anyways uh we'll get into that uh, later on in about a week and a half or so so uh what's going on so anyway so uh, i saw on the uh the twitter and i, I went on there and uh, the other day i was a little annoyed because um somebody and a lot of people defended her renee young you know people are giving her a hard time you know, she is one of the commentators on Monday Night Raw and works for WWE for a long time. And Renee was getting a lot of shit from people on there, uh, on the Twitter. And she seems like she's been getting a lot of shit here and there. And some people aren't fond of her work, and and that's fine. And and listen, I'm going to tell you right out of the box, okay, right out of the box. <sighs> Commentary, I've learned it's not just with wrestling. And I've said this before on my show here commentary play-by-play and or color commentary is an acquired taste i don't care if you're watching football basketball baseball collegiate wrestling pro wrestling mma whatever it's an acquired taste you might love a certain play-by-play person i might despise the person and that's fine so everyone hears things different everyone has a different it's like music it really is, you know, I, hey, I might like classic rock, and you might love, like, speed metal. I mean, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, and you might hate classic rock, and the next guy might say, I love hip-hop, fuck all that, and the next guy might come and say, listen, I'm a smooth jazz guy, you guys don't know shit, you know what I mean? So it's like, it, it really, <laughs> that's how, that's, that's what an acquired taste is, it's what you hear, you know? So, Renee Young, she's got a massive fan base that love her work, and that she has some people that don't like her work. I could tell you from doing the gig for a lot of years for WWE and TNA as a color commentator, oh, geez, I had, I mean, it wasn't on the social media gimmick. Well, TNA a little bit was because it was a little later on in my career. But I had a lot of, you know, a lot of love. But then there were people that didn't like my work. I mean, it's, it's the way it goes. It's, it's an acquired taste. So I wanted to say that first and foremost about Renee Young or any commentator for that matter. Because it really is just, it's what you hear, it might sound different to you, you might feel different about it than I feel about it, or this person, this guy or girl's sound, her tone, his tone, whatever, you know, so it really is an acquired taste. So that's the first thing I just wanted to say um, about that. So what happened was, Renee basically put a tweet out and said, here's the truth, I know I'm not great on commentary, but it's my job. I try to get better each week. People love to tell me how bad I am uh, as if I think I'm great at it. So I should just quit with a question mark. Uh, What would that say about me? With another question mark. Uh, Not easy to learn a skill on a gigantic global TV show. And she's a zillion percent correct, okay? And I respect the shit out of her for that tweet. And I came back and I tweeted at her. I quote tweeted. I said ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the folks would not only flop after one segment but crap their pants in the process in that role you bring a professional female perspective which is needed to uh to the booth along with playing off the guys in the chairs next to you perfectly keep doing what you're doing you know because and then of course now i got a bunch of people coming at me Saying about how Vince McMahon is telling the announcers What to say for three hours And this is why she's bad But this is why she's not bad This is why this guy And a lot of people are saying shit That they have no idea what they're talking about So so I wanted to set the record straight Here on a couple of things As far as Vince McMahon Talking to the announcers For three hours That's wrong and bullshit and false any little negative adjective you want to think of that's not what vince does and if you want to come at me and tell me anything about it i did the job for shit over seven years eight years whatever nine eight years whatever the hell it was every fucking week okay that's not like a job you have seven eight years that you're doing you know seasonally every week kids and traveled with several people 13 other people Including me uh, at a lot of times On Vince McMahon's plane So I've been around Vince a lot in my career and, And I missed those times And I was lucky to be around him And I learned from him Okay, Was he a pain in the ass to be Produced by on commentary? Fuck yeah he was Did he talk to me or Michael Cole Or Joey Styles or JR for three hours Or two hours straight Smackdown was two hours? No he didn't He didn't do that Okay, and anybody who's come forward that's worked in that chair, or Mick Foley or me or Booker or or JBL or whoever, no one's going to tell you that he talked to them for two hours straight or told them what to say for three hours straight or two hours. That's a load of malarkey. That's that's not what's happening. Okay, he's producing the announced talent. So a lot of folks don't know what that means, and how would you know what that means because you never did the job. So I'm not trying to be condescending or, or talk down, but some people get like they know what the fuck that is, and you've never done it, you've never been produced. I've been produced. <laughs> I'm still produced at times in radio. I mean, so when Vince, the it, the the way Vince produces the announced talent, and the way most people do, it's just you give a line or two here and there because this is the the, the skinny on this deal here. What happens is when you're in a chair and you're commentating. I don't care if it's you know mainstream sports or pro wrestling, whatever it is. When you're doing that, you're this is where it gets tough to explain. You are mm, you're distant from what's happening. This is going to sound a little weird because you're in the segment. Your voice, your mindset, your emotions are all in the segment. So you need to be produced because this is a live action segment this is a a big arena with a bunch of people just like a football game or a baseball game and this plays happen with physicality and you're the narrator of this along with the color commentator so what happens is at times you need someone who's outside of the segment to produce you that's why all pro sports broadcasters Sportscasters, whatever you want to call them Wrestling announcers, they are produced Produced, producing does not mean you talk non-stop to them Meaning the whole segment That's not it It's not a script either you, Now, where Vince, it gets a little tough to work with, with the producing a lot, a lot of times, he'll be a little wordy on his sentence He'll give you a sentence that's a little long And it gets a little difficult because you can't hear your partner because you're listening to him and it's as sick as this sounds i've mastered over my years of dealing with this (laughs) listening literally and i used to tell my wife this like i feel like a wackadoo i literally literally can listen to one person with one ear while i'm listening to the other with the other ear sounds fucking wacky i actually can do that because that job trained me to do that because sometimes Vince's sentence is a little bit long And I got to listen to Michael Cole Because I got to react to Michael Cole Just like he's got to listen to me You know, I can't ignore him Or can't be distracted too much for too long to hear him So I can react to him So producing the announcers is tricky And like I said, Vince doesn't talk to the whole show Vince does talk to you a, a good amount Like each segment you'll hear him And then there's some segments where you don't hear him at all I mean, that that happens all the time there are some shows where things are going great He feels like it sounds great I've had shows where I don't hear Vince for about four or five segments I Like a lot of shows And then I'll hear him for maybe a segment or two You know, or then during the break He'll say, hey, you know, maybe go this route next time You should have went this way Or, hey, you went did a good job there I like the route you went on that story That was good, you know um, sometimes he can be healed Sometimes he can get pissed at the announcers Hey you guys uh, whatever your fucking energy's not there you got to pick it up let's go The show just started and I don't like the energy Let's bring this energy up well, let's get the people up You know as far as people home You know that's the kind of shit like I saw so I, I really you know was it at times Annoying yeah it was but The guy is not talking to you nonstop, and I got people on Twitter like I ah, fucking talked to you for three hours You don't know what you're talking about Shut up stop it stop you haven't sat in a chair stop talking about shit you don't know what you're talking about seriously fucking annoying dang it i mean really you you can't i'm a huge sports fan i'm a huge sports supporter i support all sports I, i i follow a ton of pro athletes on twitter i think i'm gonna go i had a guy uh, who was a pro athlete or a pro coach, and tell him how he's coaching up the team wrong, or tell a player, a pitcher, how he's pitching wrong, or a batter who's in a slump? And I'm gonna go on Twitter. say so this is what you're doing wrong. Do you dropping your fucking back shoulder and, and you're stepping in the bucket? The fuck out of here! I'd be embarrassed to do that. Who the hell am I to tell a pro athlete that? I, I this person lives this. <laughs> Let people live their jobs. Really, like it's just it's frustrating. And it, for people to tell me how vince is producing talent you have no idea <laughs> no idea you know what i mean the, the most people most people and it was funny to see a lot of people had my back on twitter and they were saying exactly what i'm saying the fans like two fans like dude what the fuck are you talking about this guy did the job for years like are you gonna tell him how renee's being produced like come on you know It's a hard job guys it's a I've talked about this publicly a million times and I had years of experience in the ring as a wrestler as a trainer as an agent Renee Young hasn't had that and Renee is yet in that chair in confidence doing her job and she does a very good job and I give her a lot of credit I'm mentioning my history because I had all that history from the business and then go into the chair and it was hard and it was nerve wracking, especially the first like four or five months. And I started to get the hang of what was going on. It takes a long time. And I got to be honest, I'm, this is something that no one talks about. Like if you're just talking about Renee Young's commentary for a second, you know, she's never really done that. And she's never was a wrestler. And now you're throwing her in a three person booth. That is hard. If I had to learn, I learned in the WWE system how to be an announcer. Okay, Not a wrestler, but as an announcer And I told you before, I believe In the WWE Announcing style and system, I do Okay, that's how I learned And I believe in it, and I'm telling you Right now, if I had to be thrown in When I first started in a three-person booth That would have been tough Like, even tougher than it was With a two-person booth So that's something that people don't talk about enough When it comes to somebody like Renee Okay, that she's thrown into that That she was thrown into a three-person booth it's a lot more difficult I promise you that It's the truth <laughs> And I have no dog in the fight here guys I don't need to come out here And, and defend anybody in WWE uh, Renee Young or nothing I'm, I'm just speaking on behalf as an announcer And how things are done And how the misconception is On how you're being produced You know um, I, I've been produced by Stephanie also I, You know I've been produced by Jr. You know, really, and, and you know, I, it, it's it, in wrestling, because it's the live action, just like football and just like baseball or whatever, mainstream sport, I believe announcers need to, they might you might miss something. You need someone outside the segment. I'm really pulling back the curtain for you here. When you are a play-by-player, color commentator on SmackDown or Raw, or any other pro wrestling company that's doing TV, and you have announcers at the desk, they're in the segment. They're in the segment. You know, that's important. You know, that's part Who's going to produce the aw announcers? That, that's what I want to know. That's a very important thing. You know, you, you, I, I really believe you need someone with experience. You need someone who, who I feel, just is my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. You need somebody uh, who, who knows, you know, who's lived it. There's plenty of people who've done announcing. Just because you've either been in the business a long time or know the business doesn't mean you can produce announcers. Doesn't mean you can't. But it's it's I you know, it's just like, well, if I'm a, a pro football, if I own a pro football team, okay, American football. If I own a pro football team and I have a really good quarterback, a young quarterback, uh, the Kansas City Chief has Chiefs have a guy named Pat Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. And I got Pat Mahomes and now I got a whole new coaching staff. Well, don't I want to have a good quarterback coach for Pat Mahomes? Yes. So when I hire that quarterback coach, don't you think it should be someone that played quarterback? Just saying right i mean Usually quarterback coaches Are guys who have experience Playing quarterback if You're going to go to Professional wrestling school Don't you want to get Trained by someone who is Or was a professional Wrestler yes if you're Going to go to be a Professional wrestler in a Wrestling school i would Think that your goal is to Be a world champion one Day well i would think You should try and get Trained by someone who's Been a world champ or has History dealing with champions. The, my point is you, you want people with experience no matter what field it is You know, really, if, if you're a college student and your major is computer science And you're in a class and a professor It was a was a, a biology major in college and has a degree uh, in, in some kind of sciences, but now you're in computer science And this guy knows a little bit about computers Well, what the fuck is he going to teach me as a professor? He's the wrong guy So I'm just saying you need to have that guidance Of people who've been to the dance And that's what I'm saying Like, So with Vince McMahon, he's been an announcer for years I know his father owned the company And he owned the company, doesn't matter He still was an announcer You know, uh, JR When he produced me and Michael Cole Sometimes he was great, he understood Because of all his years of experience Now Stephanie wasn't an announcer um, But she sat you know, in the group position a lot next to her dad While she was producing segments And she learned a lot from her dad for a lot of years Sitting next to her dad, so Steph didn't produce Michael Cole and I a ton But when she did, she was, she was pretty good for someone Who's never been announced. announcer, I gotta give her credit But she, Stephanie's a little bit of a different deal Man, because Stephanie grew up in a business She was born in the business, you know So it's a little bit of a different situation I'm not saying that you can't have Someone who's good at producing announcers If they've never announced, but I gotta tell you They get a quarterback coach thing, you know, I'm just telling you, you gotta, that's just important, that's important, especially for AEW, because they have a couple of announcers, not JR, but the other two fellas that aren't as experienced, so you definitely need someone producing them that that, that knows what they're doing, so we'll see what happens, I mean, I know they're still evolving, but whatever, Um, uh, I don't know, I wasn't looking to get into like an AEW conversation, it just kind of morphed into that, but... So the thing is, listen, the the play-by-play or color commentating job in, in any wrestling company, especially WWE, because there was a lot of pressure on you, is a very difficult job. It's a very hard job. It's no fucking joke. Just because a guy is witty and can cut a promo doesn't mean he can be a good fucking color commentator in WWE. That's not how this works. So I remember I told the story a few times. I remember when I started becoming a color commentator, and I, I was doing several shows the rock came up to me at a building once, you know, in the arena and he's like, I was at the announce desk doing a rehearsal. And he said to me, you know, Rock was on top and, and he's like, you know, dude, you goes, you know, you are doing real good already. And, you know, he goes, I wouldn't want to do this job. I'm like, dude, you, you cut great promos. You're the rock, man. You cut the great greatest promos in the business right now. He's like, dude, it's different, man. You know, come sitting here and doing color commentary. He goes, I I, I wouldn't want to do that. Uh, you know I, I, that was flattering He actually inspired me when he said that to me To rock you know I don't think he Realized that I don't think his goal was to inspire me But he did because I had so much respect for him And the way you know obviously now I didn't Know back then he was going to be this gigantic Successful blockbuster Actor that he is he's just ultra successful And he's earned it and he deserves it So and he does it because Of his looks and his great acting ability And his, his great vernacular The way he speaks his vocabulary he's you know He's got he can talk man he can He's a communicator. So I had a I knew back then he was a great communicator because of his promo skills. And he's telling me how I'm learning and doing a job that he wouldn't want to do because it's like, holy shit, this is hard. I I'll never forget that. That was a really cool thing he said to me and 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 it inspired me. You know what? I don't think I've ever told Rocky that, but he did inspire me and and inadvertently he did. So it's a very tough job, guys. And and it doesn't, it doesn't get the credit it deserves. It's not easy. It's not easy. So you know, um, yeah, you know, some of you might say Well, geez, you're really hard a lot of times On Mauro, you know, Ronaldo with NXT Yeah, no, I have been uh, Because it's a little bit of a different situation You know, Mauro, I feel he, You know, he has a lot of experience uh, Calling pro wrestling, MMA, boxing You know, everything he's got. He's really worked hard, paid his dues I'll be the first to admit that I, I, I respect what he's done And I really mean that um, His style is just not my style Sometimes I, I feel like he's it's too much yelling too gimmicky and the yelling starts too early in the show for me and it's a little too much over the top but hey he doesn't work for me so it's fine like i told you it's an acquired taste um some might love marron alo style and some might not you know I, that's the way it goes like anybody else um you know but i've never said that i don't respect his body of work and all the years he's put in i obviously do and i know how tough tough the job is so uh, so that's the deal with that but anyway so that's it i just wanted to come at you guys talk a little bit stuff if you're not subscribed to the podcast here guys make sure you subscribe i give you a lot of content we don't charge a dime up in this motherfucker here so you know we do the right thing we don't play games go to pro slash t-a-z buy yourself a t-shirt don't be a schmuck summertime beautiful summer gear on there buy a shirt buy a hat do something for yourself i'm taz you're not i'll talk to you during the week is getting smaller